Hey everyone, I'm Brenda and I'm Julia, and you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Hey, everybody. We have an amazing episode for you today with Daryl Stinson. This episode does include topics of suicide and depression. If you or anybody you know is struggling, please reach out to somebody or call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. We love you. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Today we have on Daryl Stinson. Daryl is a thought leader on athletic transition. He is a dynamic TEDx speaker, a hip-hop artist, a pastor, and a certified John Maxwell coach. And he shares his life experience of overcoming addiction, childhood rejection, mental illness, depression, and multiple suicide attempts to produce success in his life. Daryl played defense at Central Michigan University. We're going to hear all about that. And he founded Second Second Chance Athletes, which is a holistic athletic transition company in 2017 to help athletes who are passionate about changing lives, finding purpose beyond sports, and leaving a lasting legacy. He also apparently raps, which is really cool. Daryl, you might have to do some of that. So for cool. Us. <laughs> and he is a husband and has three beautiful daughters. So he's a girl dad, which we love. That was our favorite. No, there are so many great parts of this bio, but we were like, hashtag girl dad. Yes. Hashtag girl dad. <laughs> Welcome, Daryl. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, man. Thanks for having me. It's going to be really fun. And everyone tuning in today, like get your notepads, your pens, your tissue. Mm-hmm. Like we're just going to have a good time. I have yes. the whole box. All right of here. the things. Don't worry, guys. We're prepared. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. So, Daryl, let's just start off first. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from, if you don't mind saying how old you are, Yeah. <laughs> whatever you want to let us know. I'm I'm 18. <laughs> yes, I would believe it. 18. I would believe it too. So this year I can I, I turned the great three zero and I say this year it's actually you know two thousand last year so my birthday is December thirty first so Ooh. just in case anybody wants to send me birthday presents yes yeah, yes now we know <laughs> you know the good thing about having a birthday on New Year's Eve is that I never have to plan a party I can just show up that's <laughs> just like, hey, it's my birthday They're like already invited plus like, yeah you know what I mean <laughs> that's uh, the best date for it a is. Birthday. So it is when I, once I hit, like, I would say 18, but I was, I was a bad person before then. But once I started partying, um, it was a good birthday. But growing up, it was terrible. My mom would, like, sing me happy birthday in the morning and then just leave me, like, because she was going out partying the night. So I was, like, with grandma eating, like, snacks, like, all night. I'm like, this sucks, you know. But when I got older, it was, like, super fun. Then it was the best. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That's incredible. And we're, we're just so excited to have you. We were talking – we're going to get into this later, but we have been watching Daryl's TED Talk and just talking about how incredible he is and how much value he's going to bring to this podcast. So before we get into the real meat of your story, Daryl, 
obviously we're in the midst of a very important movement right now and can you would you mind sharing with us anything that you've seen read heard any of of the sorts during the past couple of weeks or even specifically this past week um, that has inspired you yeah i'll share one that's really unique to what, what i do in my industry with second chance athletes is this whole tension uh that has happened between the remarks that drew Brees made and the response that he received Mm-hmm. and the apology that he made and just mm-hmm. that whole conversation. And so he made some remarks about how, you know, uh, he would never do anything to disrespect the flag and people lashed out and said, hey, that's very hurtful to us. Mm-hmm. They also let him know that, like, it's not about that. And, um, you know, I've actually made a couple of media appearances, um, Fox 44 News, ABC News, uh, to speak to that issue. Um, and here's what, I, here's what I've said. Here's a couple of things for people. Um, I, I said this um, on my Instagram, Stinson Speaks. I said, number one, dear white people, uh, stop beating yourself up to make us feel better. That's not the objective. You don't have to feel ashamed to be empathetic. And I went on, you got to read the rest of the post. But my, my thing is this. Uh, I said, if you say the wrong thing, you're going to be attacked and you might make things worse. But if you say the right thing, you might be attacked and make things worse. Hmm. But please say something. And so let's just go ahead and move forward. And so, um, you know, one of the things that was posed to me about the Drew Brees situation is they were like, hey, do you think that just made it so much worse? One, because of what he said, it was taken out of context and athletes were just starting to speak out. And then now that he got attacked, athletes are going to no longer like be real and speak out. They're going to just give you the canned PR statement. And I said, yes, if we put a period there, yes. But I think we just need to start putting commas instead of periods. Here's what I mean. What if we took Drew Brees, sat him in a room with LeBron James, who was openly hurt by these remarks, and we said, hey, let's talk about this. What are you experiencing? What were you thinking? And there was a moment of reconciliation. If we start putting commas where other people are putting periods, we can actually move forward together. But you only can do that when relationship is a bigger pool than race. And obviously, as a Black man, I've had racial injustice. I've been called nigger. I've been traced down by an angry white mob before. Um, I've been pulled over and searched without probable cause. I've been denied equal opportunity for advancement. Like I've got my fair share. My, my last name Stinson is actually a slave name. Um, and so when I found that I was a teenager, it really did something deep in me. Like I thought I was like a farm animal and I, and I wanted to change my name for like a year or two. And then I just got over it. So I've got like just as many like traumatic stories, just like many other people. Um, but, but let's focus on relationship, meaning that we can disagree and still move forward. As long as we know that we're standing for justice and unity and peace and love and reconciliation, then we can do that whether or not, here's a controversial statement, you take a knee or not, right? Um, Because taking a knee is not the only way to be in the fight with us. So whatever you do, just find a way to, to do something that's going to unite us. And please, for you, for our listeners, for anyone who has a platform, whether podcast, big, small, whether it's one person and your grandma following you on Twitter, please, <laughs> before you say anything, make sure that it's a bridge building statement and not a bridge burning statement. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> I already have chills. Most first question <laughs> of the day. 
But I we haven't I, even got started yet. Let's we go. haven't even gotten started. We haven't even gotten started. But Dara, like, I mean, the way you put it was so beautiful, and it was something that me and Brenna talked about in our episode a couple of weeks ago. People are talking, like, mm-hmm. and it's so cool to see. You know, it's not cool what it had to come out of, but right. it's cool to see that people are really engaging and really talking, and not just saying like, oh, and then brushing it off. Like, absolutely. Our group chat has been, I would say, ninety-eight <laughs> percent about resources how can we better educate ourselves how can we better educate the people around us and like constantly changing and learning and growing and i think that that yeah. really cool to yeah see. it's it's so powerful and, and we even mentioned on our episode a few weeks ago that we are every monday going to be sharing resources ourselves to continue the conversation because as beautiful as it has as it has been you know a, for the most part to see people speaking out and standing up and 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 wanting justice and and acknowledging where things might have not been right and all of that stuff that it's really important to continue having this conversation and Julie and I have recognized that together as well that we want to be part in continuing to have the conversation and not just make it you know a a, a one week type of type of thing so I think people right. are going to find so much value in what you just said and and finding that what we are all striving for at our core and at the root of everything is really for justice and peace and and equality and all of those things that you mentioned absolutely love it love it love it love it so daryl let's hear a little bit more about you you have such an incredible story from athlete to someone who struggled with depression to now this incredible speaker and pastor so for anybody who doesn't know your story can you give us kind of a little a little overview a little background yeah absolutely so i was born in a town called jackson michigan um it's about an hour and a half west of detroit i was a very very smart kid And my mom noticed that about me and she put me in accelerated learning classes. And the thing about me being in accelerated learning classes is that that meant that I was the only black kid, well, actually one of two black kids in an all white class. And it was a cool thing. Like they loved me. They cheated off my test. I was like the cool big black (laughs) kid. You know, I say this in my TEDx talk, but they called me goon. And I was like goofy gooning guy, you know, and um I had the big ego. Like, I'm like, man, I'm the man. I'm the I'm one of the smartest kids in the class and everyone loves me. And I just thought that since they love me, everyone in the school loves me. Mm. Well, one day um, I'm walking down the hallway and I see this group of African-American students circled together, like laughing hysterically. Okay. So I'm like, sweet. They're cracking jokes. I want to get in. So I go over to them. I'm like, Hey y'all, what's so funny? One of the kids turns towards me and says, you white boy. And wow. that was like devastating to me because it was the first time that I started to question if who I was was good enough to be like loved and accepted Mm -hmm. okay so um and for all of us it usually starts young like kids are mean right oh yeah and um I grew up in age but emotionally I probably stopped right there wow and so you, you fast forward and now I'm kind of questioning, like, is something wrong with me? Should I talk this way? Why don't I have more black friends? Like, is it wrong for me to study? And is it wrong for me to like country music? Like, I don't know. So going to seventh grade, I had a cousin whose name is Chaz and his mother, um, my auntie, got shot and killed in broad daylight um, because she had uh, got into a, some relationship issues. And um, Chaz was from the projects. I was from the hood. Like, so the hood is like bad, like on a scale of one to 10, the hood is like a seven and uh, the Mm -hmm. projects is like a 10. 
Yeah. And, and so Chaz at the, um, in the seventh grade had already been skipping school, had already been selling, doing drugs, had already been trying to have sex with girls, like just living an entirely different lifestyle than I was he. But at the same time, he was everything that I kind of wanted to be. He had mm-hmm. fashion. I didn't. He had style. I didn't. He had uh, street credibility. I had zero. The black people liked him. They didn't know me. And so I wanted to be just like him. So he actually came and moved in with us and brought this pressure from these uh, um, friends for me to fit in with them. And right. then I started to have this huge like like pull between races, right? right. So um, my white friends were having bonfires and my black friends were having basement parties. Mm. So basement parties is basically like a dry hump spell in somebody's <laughs> basement. <laughs> We've seen and our so, fair share of those. I mean, that's all it is. Like you turn on yeah. yeah. and you just Great definition. We've been seen our fair share. <laughs> <laughs> the basement Who knows party what's, what, smells what like feet down here. It smells yeah. terrible. <laughs> There's some stains over there. Black light. Really knows. terrible. Who knows? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and so I'm getting pulled between do I drink beer or do I smoke blunts? Do I go to bonfires or do I go to basement parties? And I just like couldn't like choose. And, and you know, I'm really ashamed to admit this part of my story, but because it's so mean. And I just decided that I was going to, you know, choose my black friends over my white friends and I literally in a day just defriended every every white friend like y'all I don't know if y'all are old enough to remember but there was my space back in the day uh-huh. everybody oh, yeah. got deleted off my space I literally walked past them in the hallway and act like I never saw them well because mm. it was somewhat like of an identity crisis Absolutely. it actually what it was it was mm. because I'm like oh my gosh like what what do like which lunch table do I sit at? Like, yeah. Yeah. like, which music do I listen to? Like, I don't, I just want love and acceptance and I'm not getting it from either crowd and I'm not yeah. free to be me. And so um, it just was it's so tense. And so uh, what happened was then um, I got really good at sports in the eighth grade and sports became the vehicle that enabled me to not have to choose between races mm. because um, it was a common denominator. Everyone loved sports. So they didn't care if I talked white or didn't talk white. They didn't care if I like, you know, went to the basement party or if I went to the bonfire. They were just happy that I was winning games. Right. And they just want you to score yeah. touchdowns. touchdowns. That's what they exactly. care about. So, so then it's like, oh my gosh, here's this savior, this sport. Like it's gonna mm-hmm. get me through life. It's gonna make me rich. It's like I'm I'm free to be me. And like, you know, that's how bad I wanted it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, long story short, you know, I get into college, uh, play, get a full ride scholarship to play Division One football and basketball, and um, actually got hurt at the end of my freshman year. Kind of speed it up because uh, you can watch the rest of my TEDx talk. But essentially, I signed a liability waiver uh, to come back and and be able to play so that the university would not be liable for my injury or death. And I put my body through two years of drug addiction, pain, torment. I started selling drugs to pay for my healthcare expenses, all to continue to numb the pain, to continue to play the game. And ultimately I was taking so many opioids that my blood was thinning to the point where every time I made contact on the field, my nose would bleed. And the coaches saw that I was doing something wrong. So they kicked me off the team. And that's when I was forced to face the reality that I did not know who I was and I had lost my identity and um, I didn't, I couldn't hide it behind being a star athlete anymore. And I didn't even know which laugh was authentically mine. I didn't know like which clothes I actually liked. I didn't know who I was because I had been changing who I was to fit in with other people for so many years that I lost Mm -hmm. me behind the fakeness. And you tied 
so much of your identity to this one thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And honestly, Daryl, your story really reminds me of, we've been talking about this book, Untamed, and how it really focuses on all of these beliefs that we're either taught or learned through our experience or other people tell us and then we tie so much of ourselves into those beliefs and then once you're so deeply ingrained in them if something I don't know something's thrown at you and and you're like wait so so who actually am I like taking the time to actually evaluate like what do I actually like what do I actually believe and and what what's important to Daryl if nobody else was watching or if nobody else cared Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting and and hard to recognize the the length and the, the depths that we'll go to ourselves in order to uphold this identity and purpose and 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 all that stuff and even when it comes to harming ourselves mm-hmm. in, in whichever way it applies so if you don't mind sharing a little bit more with us about how your injury led you down you know a, a deep road of of depression and what was that kind of like for you yeah so it started with that identity crisis like who's daryl like man am i valuable like is there really anything for me to do outside of my athletic ability do i have any skills I had I had made it through high school and college by just cheating and, and just being smart enough to guess right on multiple choice. Mm-hmm. So there was this this imposter syndrome of like, man, I'm getting ready to graduate college, but I actually haven't learned anything. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, those those started, you know, those that depression thoughts of like, is it worth living? You know, like, do I really matter? And um, I didn't want to share with anybody because I was so used to being adored. And I said it this way, that I was externally successful, but I was internally failing. And I didn't want to let anybody know To show know that. that crack, right? Like to show when you like come off as like this successful, talented, <laughs> quote unquote, kind of perfect guy, like right. to show even that like crack, like that's really scary for a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. No matter who you are, or what you do, nobody wants to lose respect. I didn't want to come out and say like, hey, I've been thinking about harming myself. I've been... And, you know, thinking about ending my life because it would have been like, wait, you, what, what do you have to complain about? Right, you yeah. have a full right scholarship. You've got to play on national television. Like you're, you're Daryl. And it's like, yeah. but um, I don't even know who Daryl is. Mm. And so uh, it started with that. And my only outlet that I had was this girl that I was dating um, for four and a half years. And we had a, like, we had a really like, we cheated on each other all the time. Like it was a really bad relationship, but we were like in love, right? Like high school sweethearts. And like, we were, um, you know, already had names picked out for our kids. We we're supposed to get married, all this stuff. And then one day when I was like really struggling um, and I was in the car and I was just like, really like, like thinking about ending it all. I call her and I'm like, will you please like come just be with me, talk to me. Like, I, like I'm having suicidal thoughts again. And, and she was like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay, Daryl. I'm like, why is she talking to me like that? Why is she not calling me babe? And I'm like, what are you doing? Well, long story short, she had left me and got engaged to another man. Um, and that ripped my heart out. So now I'm like, Oh my God. And at that, and at that wow. point too, like that's not the thing you probably needed to hear. Not at yeah. all. You know, cause, cause again, you know, I was already struggling with my worth and now mm-hmm. the one person who I thought loved me for me mm-hmm. left me. <laughs> Yeah. And, yeah. And I mean, was... and we tie so much of of our worth to the people that we date. Like, oh, absolutely. Even if absolutely. You're in a great place, oh, and you know, all of a sudden, someone decides, eh, I don't love you anymore. There's someone else. Like, yeah, that's crushing. It's, it's groundbreaking. Yeah. Absolutely. It's easy, to, it's easy to deal with rejection when it comes from people who don't really know me like that, because you can always right. use that as an excuse. Right. 
But when you know me, know me, Mm -hmm. when you've listened to my dreams, my hopes, when you know the names that I want to call my children, when you know the books I want to write, like when you know like everything about me and you reject me, oh my gosh. Yeah, no, that hurts. Yeah. Also, at that point, was she the only one you really told about? Yep. Mm -hmm. Only one. She was the only one. I had made hints to other people. Like, I was kind of, like, throwing it out there, but they didn't really know, you know? Um, And that's why I always say, like, man, please, like, vulnerability is the Batman signal for love. Like, please don't don't just expect somebody to see behind the layers that you're unwilling to show them. Like, people are not, like, psychic. And no. so just let people know, like, that you're really broken so they can really love you. You can't be fully loved unless you're fully known. Mm-hmm. And and I was trying to be fully loved without being fully known. And, and it just wasn't working. And so, yeah, so, so after that, that was it for me. I was like, see, it just validated every insecurity that right. I had. And, you know, I started to get serious. Part of it was like, I'm going to show her and hurt her back by by Mm -hmm. she's going to pay. And then some of it was just like really just feeling like I didn't matter. So, you know, I started uh, taking my opioid pills, mixing them with alcohol, hoping that, you know, I I wouldn't wake up the next morning. I would swallow a whole bottle of pills. I tried to starve myself to death. And uh, I went from 275 pounds to 219 pounds in four weeks. And uh, I was just hurting. And uh, yeah. I wanted out of that pain. Mm-hmm. And uh, all my attempts at suicide landed me in a psychiatric unit. And uh, thankfully, you know, there I just had this life-changing experience. And it gave me this hope that maybe my life is worth living. And maybe there's mm-hmm. something out there for me. Mm-hmm. I call that purpose. And for me, purpose is much deeper than passion. Because people were like, oh, what's your passion? I'm like, dude, my passion was playing sports. I can't, do <laughs> I can't play sports anymore. Right. So I had to find what was so unique to me mm-hmm. that justified my existence. What unique contribution can I make to the world? I think and people I, get that confused all the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They Focus do. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that's what they think, right? What's your passion? That's your I'm like, well, not necessarily, you know. Right. You know, and and so I went on a, like, research binge i watched every tedx talk i brought simon sinek's <laughs> why i read the purpose-driven life by rick warren i learned Frater victor's or victor whatever his name is like the man's search for meaning like anything that was purposed i read it i promise you like i lived in the library and uh <laughs> finally i got this to this place where i'm like i've got some clarity but now like I still don't love this thing more than I love my life as an athlete. I was living my current life as if it was second best to my former life, which meant I wasn't fulfilled. And I'm like, how do I get fulfilled? And so I started searching for fulfillment and all this stuff. And long story short, I got to this place where I'm like, I love this. I wouldn't, like if somebody came and was like, do you want to play in the NFL? I'd be like, no, I love my life now. And it was such a beautiful place to get to you that I'm like, man, how can I help other people? get to the same place? How can I help other people discover their purpose? And I'm so, so, so passionate about it because here's what I believe. I believe that your purpose should be as unique as your fingerprint is. I believe that I should be able to listen to or see a purpose statement about Brenda, about Julie and be like, that's Brenda, that's Julie. Because it's that unique. You're that valuable. You're that rare that there'll never be another person like you. And I'm so sick of us saying generic purpose statements. Okay, I'm getting passionate. Sorry. I'm so sick of us saying- Do not be sorry. Please. (laughs) 
like my purpose is to help other people or my purpose is to be of service or my purpose. Oh, this is my, my hate, most hated one. My purpose is to help other people discover their purpose. I'm like, no, that's not your purpose. <laughs> There's a oh. billion other people on the planet who can say the same thing. Mm, yeah. You're unique. And I get it that it's hard to describe it, but here's what I know. When you find it, here's what's going to happen. You're going to unlock streams of revenue, streams, multiple streams of revenue. Uh, you're going to you're gonna be more fulfilled because you're not giving part of you to the world. The reason why people are so unfulfilled sometimes isn't because they're doing things that they don't enjoy. It's because they're not doing more of what they do enjoy or, or, or there's dreams that are dormant inside of them, but they can't put language to them. And what I help people do is I help misfits turn their pain into purpose in profit. And I love it. Yes. Oh my goodness. How powerful is that? You went from a place of feeling not enough, of of struggling in so many different ways with your identity, with with trying to figure out what comes next, like wh- what value do I have to literally believing, mm-hmm. not only re- recovering from everything you were going through, but literally believing I am unique, I am powerful, and I can help other people find that too. Absolutely. Like, from Holy. the kid that didn't even know which direct, like which direction the color of his skin took him, to someone yep. who is so specific mm-hmm. and passionate yeah. about his purpose. Absolutely, because and you you hear this in my TEDx talk, but I want you to hear it now. Rejection is not our enemy; it's actually our friend. Mm-hmm. It it shouldn't cause you to question your value. It actually shows you that you have value. And I, I'm going to do another TEDx talk you next mean, year. I, no, I am. I am doing another one next year in uh, 2021. Thank and you. I'm going to call it, Hey, Mitzvits, come out of hiding. The world needs you. And the reason why I'm going to call it that is because I think there's a tendency to look at me now and be like, well, of course you got purpose. You're dynamic. You're, you're inspirational. You're motivational. Right. And I'm like, no, you're missing it. I was the same guy that when they did icebreakers, I would leave the room and go to the restroom so that they could skip because that's how much <laughs> self-hatred I had. Wow. Mm. I have video proof of my first speech. I was saying that to be humble. I couldn't put you scared. Mm. I mumbled because I hated the sound of my voice. I wanted it to be over. Mm-hmm. I did not sound like this. I kind of I sound a little like a midnight uh, radio hour now. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that smooth, deep thing going We love on. it. Yeah. <laughs> but I wasn't there. I was so deeply insecure to the point where I had so much self-hatred and dislike because I just like, who am I? I'm quirky. I'm not white. I'm not black. I don't even know who I am. I like jazz music. Like, like I'm weird. I'm boring. I don't have style. And I'm supposed to like, but the very thing that made people reject me is the very thing that has helped me to be successful in life. Want to hear more from Daryl? Tune in on Friday to hear part two of this episode. Thanks for listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Friday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.